of all, we are thankful that Jesus is in our midst. Amen. And I do agree with Pastor Mark that every time we come together, we hear from heaven. and We have a word from the Lord. Well, tonight I'm going to talk to you about asking and how that we are to be proficient in our asking. You know, the Bible tells us over in John chapter 16, verse 24, it says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Would you agree that if you are going to ask something of the Lord, you want to receive what you're asking for? Would you also agree that it's awesome to get answers to prayer and have your joy be full? How many of you have ever asked the Father for something and you received it? Doesn't that make your joy level just whoo? I mean, you know that his word is true. You can stand upon the promises of God, but it is awesome when we bring our petitions before the Lord and we see those answered. There's nothing like it getting that breakthrough in our lives. And that's why Jesus said, ask that you might receive so that your joy may be full. He doesn't want us asking amiss. He doesn't want us asking, wavering, ask us, asking him, wondering if it's going to happen, if it's not going to happen. Folks, we can be assured. Amen. I looked up just the other day of the word ask in the Strong's Concordance. It's a Greek word and I have my Greek friends over here. I have no idea how to say it. A-I-T-E-O. He's not sure either. Oh, good. I stumped him. I've never stumped him before. Anyway, a Greek word for ask. A-I-T-E-O. And this is what it said in the Strong's. To request or bring a petition. And then I really like this one. The word in this particular verse that we just read, asked there, the word usually describes a person making a request of someone in a higher position. A good illustration would be a child to a parent. Any of you ever had your kids ask you for something? In this particular text, it's talking about us the children of God going and asking of God something. But you know, when it comes to even kids in the natural, some kids are better askers. They're more proficient in their askers. We, in their asking, we had uh, two boys and I know, you know, sometimes if they wanted us to buy him something or, or whatever, particularly John, I mean, he would research and he would lay out his case of why He needed this shark's hat or why he needed this particular baseball gear or whatever. I mean, you know, he would study it. He would present his case. He was a good asker. And I wasn't here on Wednesday night. And the reason I wasn't here on Wednesday night was I was down in Liviland. All of you probably know we have a granddaughter named Olivia and they live in Orange County. So when we go, I go to visit them. I say I'm going to Living Land. Well, now I've gone from using illustrations of my boys being good askers. And now I have real vivid ones of my granddaughter. And she is getting proficient in her asking. She knows that, you know, pretty much if she asks, Grammy's going to provide. So one day we went to California Adventure actually, and, and we were driving over there and I said, Livy, what do you want Grammy to buy you? She said, Grammy, I want 
a Mickey Mouse balloon. So I said, okay, honey, as soon as we see a Mickey Mouse balloon, I'll buy you one. Well, we hadn't been in the park very long, and there's a little balloon guy with the balloon. And she goes, Grammy, I want the red one. I mean, she knew exactly what she wanted, and she was bold in asking me for it. And you know, it didn't upset me. It made me glad that she had faith in my word that I said, I'm going to get it for you. If you ask, you shall receive. Well, God wants to have us to have that kind of confidence in his word to us. That if we find it in the word of God, then we ask it that we know. We're going to receive it. Amen. Though there's something I want to go through tonight that I think it will just stick with us and help us in remembering when we ask the father how we are supposed to approach him. It's an acrostic of the word ask. We'll do it this way. The way a stand, the word letter a stands for assurance. Everybody say assurance. Assurance. The word S stands for steadfastness. If you ever asked something and it took a particular time to come, and so you, what do you have to do? You got to be steadfast. And then K stands for knowledge. All right. A for assurance. S for steadfastness. And K for knowledge. So let's begin with the letter A assurance. I looked up the word assurance and I like these definitions certainty, sureness. Guarantee, confidence. What gives us a guarantee, a boldness, a confidence, an assurance that we receive the answers to our prayers? Well, I'm glad that you asked because the answer is found in the word of God. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5 verse 14. I'm not going to have a really long word tonight because at the end of the service, I believe we're just going to ask the Lord for some things. So I'm going to lay out our case tonight on how we ask very familiar passages of scripture, but it will build faith into our heart. Everybody just say, I receive receive the word of God and I will will be a proficient asker. So let's look at this first John chapter five, verse 14 in the amplified And this is the confidence. The what? What did we say the letter A stands for? The assurance. The privilege of boldness which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request. Now this is the criteria for asking, receiving, that your joy may be full. This is the criteria. Make any request according to what? According to his will. According to what? In agreement with his own plan. He listens to and he hears us. Now see right there is a whole lot of information. And actually let's go ahead and read verse 15 and then we'll comment on this. And if since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possessions the request made of him. Does that sound pretty definite to you? 
I love this one phrase in there, the privilege of boldness. It is a privilege to be the child of the living God. We are privileged. It's an honor to know Jesus. Would you agree with that? It is a privilege for us to have that assurance. He is my father and I am his. I'm my beloved's and my beloved is mine. His banner over me is love. Remember that little song. We belong to him and he belongs to us. And it says because of that, it's a privilege to have This boldness and this confidence, like it says in Hebrews, to come boldly before the throne room of grace that we may obtain what we ask of the Lord. People that don't know the Lord and even Christians that don't know who they are in Christ Jesus and aren't familiar with the word of God, they do not have this boldness. They don't have this assurance because, you know, especially people that aren't born again. Well, you know, I know God's up there. Maybe, maybe there's a, an all creator in the heavens, but I really don't know if he loves me. I don't really know if he hears me. I don't like it when I hear people look up and say, well, you know, the man upstairs, he's not the man upstairs. He's our father. He's the creator of the universe. He's not a man. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he will do it. He said he loves us. He said he watches over his word to perform it on our behalf. He said there's not failed one promise from my word. If I said it, I will will do it. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it in our lives. That's assurance. That's boldness. Hallelujah. That we have what we desired of him. But what is it? It says if we are in agreement with his will, his plan, God's got a plan for our lives. We have to discover that we have to be in the center of his will. He loves us and he will bless us as far as he can. But you know, it's much better to be on the path. Like we talked about a couple of weeks ago to have the light of God shining on our path to be in agreement with the plan that he has for our life to be in our place called there. When we are in our place that we're supposed supposed to be in God, when we're hooked up with a church he's sent us to, when we're doing what he told us to do, serving the Lord with joy and gladness, we're in agreement with his plan for our lives. He said in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans that I have for you. I've got plans to prosper you. I got plans to bless you. Hallelujah. I got plans to give you hope and a bright future. Get in agreement with what his plan is. And then how do we know the will of God? What in the world? He says, know my will. Well, it's not hard to know his will. Right here it is. 
The word of God is his will. And Jesus is the only one that I know that ever died, rose again, seating at the right hand of the father, watching over his will, his will to perform it. Most people that leave a will or a living trust, not most people, every person, when they die, <laughs> they don't come back and say, hey, that's not what I said in my will. They don't come back and say, hey, I didn't want you to have that ring. I wanted them to have that ring. But Jesus is alive watching over his will. He left us his will. He left us his provision and he's watching over it to perform it in our lives. What are we supposed to do with this? Say the word. Speak the answer and pray the promise. You ought to write that down. Say the word. Speak the answer and pray the promise. This morning, Pastor Mark did an excellent job in both services, but he was talking about speak up. The devil will always come at us with lies, with things that are not found in the word of God. He'll come at us and say all of this junk. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to say the word, speak the answer and pray the promise. So when the devil comes at you and bombards your mind with, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, or you're this or you're that, you know, we learned this morning. It's good. We don't just, we don't just, we resist the devil, but we don't just resist him. We answer him. Speak up. Whatever he says, oh, you're going to die young. Your heart's going to attack you. Then we don't only just say, oh, devil, shut up. I resist you. We answer that and we say, no, I'm going to live long and declare the works of the Lord. No, my heart will never attack me. Speak the word. Speak the word. Say the word and speak the answer. Amen. If we do that, just when these lies come to us, we need to do the same thing in our prayer life. Prayer is not whining. Prayer is not begging. Prayer is not wishing. Prayer is not talking the problem. Of course, God loves us. If you're going through a difficult situation, there's nothing wrong with just falling on your face before God and pouring your heart out to him. That you need to have a good cry, just get it all out. But don't just have a good cry and say, whew, I feel better now. And have an emotional release. Prayer is not just you doing all the talking. Not us just laying out all of the problem. I heard a message recently, actually it's by Patsy Caminetti. And uh, she titled it, Let's Talk. That's what prayer is. It's not just one-sided, us doing all the talking, us describing all the difficulty that we're going through, us whining about the problem, us bawling and squalling and crying and then getting up. Oh, I feel better. No. We say all this, but then we get to the word and we speak the answer. Lord, this is what's going on in my life, but I thank you. For the promises of God that are yes and amen. I thank you, Lord. I'm not moved by what I see. Hallelujah. And after we talk to him and speak the answer, you know what? Many times 
He wants to talk back to us. So don't be in such a hurry. Wait upon the Lord. Let him renew your strength. Let him speak back to you. Let's talk. I like that. You talk to me, but let me talk to you. And when you pray, when you seek me with all of your heart, you're going to find me and you're going to hear some things that I have to say to you. Let him speak into your life. Is anybody in here believing God for anything this year? Let him speak into your life. How those things shall come to pass. We went down a couple of weeks ago and heard uh, Reverend Benny Hinn at Jubilee. It was actually, it was very awesome. And he said something that the Lord spoke to him about 2013. He said, ear hath not heard. I have not seen what I will do in 2013. Ear hath not heard. I have not seen what I will do in 2013. But did you know? That those things that God wants to do in our lives in 2013 are not just automatic. He's got a plan. He's got a will. He's got appointments. He's got destiny. But it's our responsibility to ask him, to seek him. Brother Hagin used to say these things, these promises of God aren't going to fall on you like ripe cherries off of a tree. We have our part to do. Seek the Lord Believe his word. Do what? Say the word. Speak the answer and pray the promise. I do believe 2013 is going to be an awesome year. You agree with that? So when we're talking to him and he's talking back to us, the next in the letter in the word ask. Anybody ever had a period of time where you've laid out a petition before God? You're believing him for something? And this thing called time begins to go on and on. What happens when we're in that period of standing? It's a temptation to get weary. It's a temptation to give up. Lord, it's taken so long. So the S stands for steadfastness. There's some synonyms of steadfastness. I like this. Firm, fixed, settled, established. And then even in Webster's Dictionary, I like these definitions. Not changing, not fickled, or wavering. Do you know anybody that's fickled? One day up, one day down, one day up, next day level to the ground. I mean, it's just a roller coaster of emotion. You just never know what you're going to get. You kind of feel like that Forrest Gump in that movie. Life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get when that person's around. Some days they're creamy. Some days they're crunchy. You know, some days they're really a nut full of nuts, but whatever, you know. Fickled. Did you know that... I, I don't like people that are fickled. I like people that know where they're headed in life. They are on that road called destiny. And they know they are a child of the most high God. And they got someplace to go and yeah. something to do. Amen. Yeah. Not fickled. Well, I think I'm in good company because, you know, God is not a big fan of people that are fickled and being double minded and wavering back and forth, up and down. He had to, when you think about all that he had to deal with and put up with, with the children of Israel, that, that was, they were a case. 
I mean, one day they're worshiping God. The next day they're building idols to foreign gods. One day they're all God is our deliverer, singing songs and praising the Lord out in the wilderness. The next day, man, Moses, you should have let us die back in Egypt. It would have been better to be back there. I mean, that's fickle. One day, God, oh, we love you. Oh, Lord, we worship you. You're our provider. The next day is I am sick of this manna. You know, that's being fickled. He had to deal with that. I referred to this account the other time I was preaching too. But you remember with even with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. But I found this one particular verse in the message. And this is, I liked how it said it. First Kings, that's in First Kings 18 verse 21 in the message. This is there when you know they're getting ready to have that showdown with the prophets of, of Baal. And Elijah is challenging the people of God. Elijah challenged the people. Just listen, it's in the message. How long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. Make up your minds. Nobody said a word. Nobody made a move. It's not a good place to be sitting on a fence. When I was younger, we had fences all around where I grew up and they were bobbed wire fences to keep the horses and the cattle's in and supposedly keep the kids out. But you know, we had a way. Anyway, we would climb over those fences and it was not a good day if you didn't quite maneuver over the top of the fence and landed on the fence. You didn't want to sit there very long with that bob wire in your backside. It's not comfortable. But there's a lot of Christians that are sitting on the fence. And that was what was happening even with this group of people. I like how that said that. How long are you going to sit on the fence? How long are you going to have one foot in the world? One foot in God. One day I'm going to serve Jesus with all of my heart. Get a call from Pookie and them on Saturday night. But you know, I think I'll go out and go do a little, little smoke a little reefer. Is that the right word? Smoke a little reefer tonight. Oh, a week later feeling bad. Okay, I'm going to get back in church. Somebody else calls. Oh, big party's on. I think I'll go over here. Sitting on the fence. This way and that way. In the King James, it says, how long are you going to halt? Between two opinions. You're going to serve God or you're going to serve Baal. You got to serve somebody, right? <laughs> I don't know the rest of the words, but I've learned a lot. I've learned these oldies from Pastor Mark in case you wonder. I never knew the oldies till I met him. You got to serve somebody. That's just, I don't know the rest of the words and I probably don't even want to know them. But that's the truth. You do have to serve somebody. And there was a time, I believe, in the body of Christ even that, you know, it was like, well, the world and the wasn't that dark. So it wasn't that evident who was a Christian or maybe not, you know, maybe they're sort of a Christian, maybe sort of not. But it's not that way anymore. Dark is getting darker. Sin is getting bolder and uglier and more aggressive. And if you're going to serve God, you can't be a wimp. It's time for people to say, yes, I am one of them. 
And I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed to be called by his name. It says over there in Joel chapter 2, my people will never be ashamed. So get off of the fence. And I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but if you know somebody, take them the CD. Get off of the fence and declare God is God. And I'm going to serve him. I'm going to follow him. Amen. Make a decision. Gotta serve the Lord. Make up your mind. Is God God or not? Is God our source or not? I don't know what's going to happen in the world. I believe great and glorious days are ahead for the church. But in the world, it may not be that way. It's not going to be that way. But thank God if our, if our, if our uh, confidence is in him. If we're really saying God is my God. God is my source. He's going to provide for us whatever it takes. Amen. So God's not a fan, a fan of being wavering and undecided. Another verse over in the New Testament will bear this out. James chapter 1. <clears throat> verse 5 through 8. We'll just read all of this. There's no, you know, there's no condemnation. The word doesn't condemn. But if we need correction, the word brings correction. And it's a good thing. God loves us. Amen. He loves us. And if we need to make adjustments, his word will correct us and get us back in on track and in line. Amen. Well, that's just true. You know, uh, sometimes when you might see not that many people here at a service, we were I was really shocked, actually, when we started looking at it last year. There are people that are going on our website all the time, not just in the United States, but all over the world. And we have our podcast on there. So I believe that every time we speak the word of God, not only is it affecting lives here, but it's going around the world. Amen. And there might be somebody that's in a a country that they're not free to worship God, but he's given them boldness to stand up. Amen. For his name. Glory to God. James chapter one, verse five and eight. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. Now, this again is the condition. How do how are we going to get that? But let him ask in what? Ask it. Anybody here tonight? I know maybe not a thousands, but somebody's here. Is anybody here? (laughs) But let him ask in what? With no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive what? From the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. Have you ever gone out to the beach, out to the ocean, and it might be a calm day. And, you know, there's just a few little waves on the horizon. But you stay there and you start feeling this breeze. And then it's a big breeze. And then it's a, a wind. And the more that the wind comes, the bigger 
the waves go and it just tosses whatever's out there around. And that's what he's saying here. Don't just be tossed about with the wind. Don't be moved by all the lies of the devil and don't be tossed around by every new wave of doctrine. Did you know if you turn on Christian TV and just watch it 24 seven, you can get really confused. <laughs> don't just feed on some of that. I mean, sometimes I get so mad. It's I got, yeah, I get mad. I'm like, are you serious? That's not my God. I don't want to watch that. And I say to pastor, let's just find a good John Wayne movie. I'll get way more edified. Way more edified than some of these people peddling doubt and unbelief. We have to watch what we feed on. Because whatever we feed on will toss us around. Oh, they said this. We've had people come to church. You know, pastors preached an awesome message. But then they'll come in and they'll say something like, But this guy on TV said that. You know, I just, you have to refer him back to the word. Years ago, I said, I'm going to preach that long, but hey. I'm going still. <clears throat> Years ago, we had this lady come in, and I won't name names of who she had been watching, but she approached me and wanted us. She had bought this huge package deal about it was like, I don't even, I guess it was tribulation food. It was like cans of stuff that had a shelf life of 20 years. Can you imagine how delicious that was? And she was elderly, and I'm thinking, you know, honey, I don't think you got to worry about it. I don't, you know. <laughs> Seriously, you're 80 already. But anyway, just all this stuff, these little gadgets and everything. And and she was like, she said, I came tonight because I want to present this. I want you to present this to the church. And, you know, I just was like, I tried to be sweet, but she was very persistent. So after a while, I'm just like, stop, stop, stop. Not going to do it. We're not going to sell that stuff here at church. I'm not going to warn the people about it. But so-and-so on TV. I mean, this was several years ago, too. It wasn't 22,000K, but it was after that. Several people on TV. This this is a prophet. And he's talking about there's not going to be any food on the shelves. There's not going to be this. There's not going to be that. You got to warn the people. They got to buy this stuff. Can you imagine if you were the only one in your neighborhood that had cans, 20-gallon cans of chicken noodle soup? What would happen? I mean, woo. Anyway, we'll go there. But I said, no, we're not going to do that. She got really bad. Well, prophet so-and-so said, so if you don't believe it, because she said, you have been warned. Storm turned around and stormed out of the church. You consider yourself warned. Well, you know what? The year came, the year went. Guess what? We haven't had to live off of tribulation food. Thank God. I believe that I'd rather believe God for manna from heaven than to have to eat some of that junk. Anyhow, amen. Doctrines that toss us to and fro. But then he says, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Instability is not a good place to be. Has anybody ever been off balance in the natural? Dizzy, perhaps? Maybe vertigo? I don't know what it was a few weeks ago. Kind of had a little ear thing going on or something. And I got up one day and the room was spinning it was not good. Couldn't, you know, couldn't even hardly walk without holding on to the walls. And it was a trippy kind of feeling. <laughs> Thank God. It only lasted for a little while. I hadn't been on any other kind of a trip, but that was trippy. 
but it's not a good feeling when the room is spinning and you're unable to walk. I was thinking about this just today. Isn't it interesting? I don't know if they still do it, but in the olden days, if somebody got pulled over for drunk driving, one of the tests was they made them get out of the car and try to walk a straight line. When you're intoxicated, you can't walk a straight line. Did you know that there's a lot of Christians that they're unstable and they're not balanced because they're intoxicated with the cares of this world. They're intoxicated with worry and with fear. What's it do? It throws you off balance spiritually. And you, you got spiritual vertigo. would <laughs> be You're dizzy. You're just not in balance. Just like this word says, unstable in all your ways. What about fear? Too many Christians are so full of fear. They're off balance. I like what Joyce Meyer said about fear years ago. Fear, false evidence appearing real. Fear will affect you being able to be stable. We can be steady. We can be stable in unstable times. This world is rocking and a reeling. It, it, the world is not stable. The world is being tossed around. But we are the stabilizing factor. The Christian, the church. Why? Because we are built on the rock that does not roll. We've got a stable foundation. If you're not steadfast, fixed, and stable on the word, not going to receive what we ask for. How do we get to that place of stability, confidence, and assurance that our prayers are heard and answered? We have to school ourselves into faith through the knowledge of the Word of God. K, knowledge. A is what? S is? K is? Knowledge. Prayer is not a shot in the dark. Brother Hagen, again, I love our spiritual dad. Even though he's in heaven, he still ministers to us. He said, find a scripture that covers your case. Knowledge is a tool. Knowledge is a weapon. Hosea, what is it? 416 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of of knowledge. Not only are people destroyed, but prayers go unanswered if we don't know what the word has promised us. So tonight, let me just ask you some questions here. You can help me. If you're believing God for healing and you're going to bring a petition before the throne concerning healing, anybody have knowledge of a scripture that you are healed? Oh, okay. This guy right here, what would be a scripture? Ask somebody else. All right, who has their hands up? Who has knowledge? All right, Brother George. I shall live and not die that I might declare the works of the Lord. Amen. Anybody else have a scripture on healing? Have knowledge of the word of God. By Jesus 
Amen. Anybody else? Back here. Okay, go on. Amen. Yes. Jeremiah thirty seventeen. I will I will restore health unto thee and heal thee of thy wound. Hallelujah. All of us ought to have an arsenal of scriptures. Okay, let me help you help me on this one. Knowledge. Knowledge brings results. If you're believing God for a breakthrough in your finances, anybody have a scripture you're standing on? Anybody over here? Somebody different. All right, Brother Tony. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches. Amen. And just because you're like, oh, I've, huh? It works every time, but just like, oh, I've heard that scripture. All right, great. You've heard that scripture. Have you done that scripture? Have you confessed that scripture? Who has another one on finances? Can I sing it? Yes, go ahead. I've never seen the righteous forsaken (laughs) or a seed out begging for bread. All right. Anybody else? Something else? This is good. Now, come on. Now, we ought to have an arsenal. God meeting our needs. Ephesians 3.20. All right. Danielle's got one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not Not want. Amen. Hallelujah. How about the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Amen. There's a whole bunch of scriptures about finances. Anybody ever been tormented in their mind? How about some knowledge that God has given us the peace? Anybody got some scriptures on peace? Oh, I love that one. Isaiah 26, 3, I believe. I love that scripture. Anybody else got one on peace? Christina. What's it say, sweetie? You know? Yes. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and mind. You get an A plus. Keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Anybody else got one on peace? Right there. Over there. Yes. I let the peace of God rule you. Yes. Amen. Yay. Amen. That's right. Anybody else, just think of this, this knowledge that you have, it will change your life forever. There's people driving by right now that they are tormented in their minds. They have no idea how to get peace. But we just heard three or four scriptures that promise us peace. And if we'll receive them, if we'll act on them, the peace of God. Hallelujah. Did you know that on the same day that Jesus died on that cross and those stripes upon his back bore our healing? Someone quoted that his stripes by his stripes that we are healed that same day. That crown of thorns that was placed upon his head and those crowns pierced into his head. That was for your torment of mind. It was so we would have peace. Peace, peace, knowledge of our covenant, knowledge of what he has done for us. Has anybody ever needed any restoration in your life? The enemy has come in and stolen something. Do you have any scriptures on restoration?
Anybody got any scriptures on restoration? Let me help you out on this one. Because if you are dealing with that in any area, the enemy's come in and tried to steal some things. Joel chapter 2. I love Joel chapter 2. Right here in verse 21 gives us the criteria for restoration. Fear not. Be glad. Rejoice. And I will do marvelous things. Fear not. Be glad and rejoice and I will do marvelous things. Verse 25. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. The crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, the chewing locusts. My great army which I sent among you. Anything's been stolen from you. Get some scriptures on restoration. Knowledge puts the devil on the run. That's right. Knowing who you are in Christ Jesus and knowing what the word says. Amen. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. We got just a few minutes and I think that this is what we're going to do. I I just love being able to come together and and pray together. So if you don't mind, why don't you just come down to the front just for a few minutes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All sorts of things that we can ask the Lord for. This is some of the things that came up in my heart. Are we believing for revival in the Bay Area? Are you believing with us? I know you are. Anybody got anyone that's unsaved in your family? Anybody work with somebody that's not born again? You know, we don't want to just, people that don't know the Lord, you don't get in their face and you say that you're a heathen, but we do have a scripture to claim them. Psalms 2, 8 says this, ask of me and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance. Heathen is anybody outside the covenant. So again, you don't call your relatives heathens that don't know the Lord to their face particularly, but they fit in this category if they don't know the Lord. He said, ask of me. What are we talking about tonight? We're talking about asking and being proficient in our asking. So we can ask him for those that are not born again in our families. We can ask him for the heathen of the Bay Area. Do you know any heathen in the Bay Area? Oh, Jesus. People that don't know the Lord, but they are our inheritance. They are the precious fruit of the Lord. And then I like this one, Zechariah 10.1. Ask of the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. What's he going to do when we ask? The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain. Then another one. This is all connected with revival. We're asking for souls. We're asking for those that are lost. That they would come into the kingdom of God. Then we're asking for supernatural help. This is Supernatural Sunday. We're asking for supernatural help. We're asking for the reign of the spirit. And then along with that supernatural help comes the gifts of the spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 But earnestly desire the best gifts. Ask of the Lord 
for manifestations of his spirit. Hallelujah, Father, in the name of Jesus. Right now, we ask you, we unite together. And we ask you, Lord, for the heathen, for our inheritance. We ask you, Lord, for the lost to come into the kingdom of God. Oh.